Okay, good morning, and welcome to our Home Office Success Circle members. Um, today we are doing our December teleseminar with Executive Coach Susie Pomerantz, uh, who is also the author of Seal the Deal, The Essential Mindsets for Growing Your Professional Services Business. Um, welcome, Susie. Good morning. Good morning, Jen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for joining us. It's such a busy time of year for everyone, celebrating the holidays, yeah. and a lot of our members have talked to me about getting ready for 2008. They don't want to set New Year's resolutions on New Year's Day about where they want to go next year. They want to plan now so uh-huh. that they can really hit the ground running come January 1st. And I just knew you were going to be the perfect person to talk to because the issue that's come up for a lot of our members this year is how do you charge what you're worth? Ah, very good question. Yeah, there's just so much. I think when you're in a home office setting um, and not in a storefront on Main Street, it can be really difficult to really claim your rate. Um, Am I charging too much? Am I not charging enough? Um, Should I lower my rate because people won't do business with me if they think my rate's too high? That sort of thing. Um, What kind of rate should I claim? So those are the kinds of things um, I knew you were the perfect person to answer. Um, this morning. <laughs> I don't but, know about perfect, but I definitely have some strong opinions on the matter. <laughs> uh, but first, I'm going to just tell our, our members a little bit about you, okay. um, and I will get, brag about you a little bit, because um, Susie is an executive coach, a performance consultant, and a corporate trainer who specializes in leadership development with Fortune 500 clients and public sector leaders. She's internationally certified as a master certified coach by the International Coaching Federation, which for any of you unfamiliar with coaching is is the um, certifying um, body. It's kind of the main coaching certification uh, organization, and um, so that's pretty high accolades um, coming from them. Um, Susie's coached and trained thousands of high-profile, high-performing executive leaders uh, at organizations across the country, from Pfizer to the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency. Um, Susie's the author of Seal the Deal, which you can find at sealthedealbook.com, and it's a fantastic uh, book for growing your professional services business. Uh, Susie talks about the idea that you don't want to do marketing on one hand and sales on one hand and networking on another hand, but rather come, she gives you a formula for using those three in strategic concert. So um, definitely pick that up. And finally, Susie is my coach and my dear friend, so I'm just so thrilled to have you this morning. Thank you. Absolutely. But let's let's get into it. Okay. Um. <laughs> way, I just want to add one little yeah. piece is that um, everything that you said about what I do, I, I do all of that from home. I have a home office, so... You know, I'm part of the part of the circle here. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Welcome into the circle. <laughs> um, yeah, and I know, Susie, you and I have talked in the past about how it can be really challenging to um, really claim your rate in the world mm-hmm. and not um, set up differing fees for different clients, not kind of letting your clients set your rate. Um, let's talk about... Um, what happens when professional service providers don't charge enough? Well, it's an interesting question because part of being able to charge enough has to do with uh, recognizing your worth and understanding the value that you're contributing to your target market. Mm-hmm. And so really owning that they're, that the value of your service or your product or whatever it is that you're taking to market 
has value beyond you as a person and an individual. And we, we um, particularly women, but I've seen this across the board, we tend to wrap up our self-worth in our pricing or our product or our service or our business. Mm-hmm. So there's, we have to deconstruct that a little bit to look at this. So we have to, in order to look at charging what we're worth, we have to be able to separate out that conversation about what we're worth and who we are from the service that we provide and the value of the results that we provide for our customers and clients. Mm-hmm. And that's a distinction that's important because it, it, right now I know a lot of people who are setting their own pricing as consultants or coaches or any, anyone really in a home-based service, service business faces trying to figure out how do you determine the value of what you're providing and how do you separate that from everything that you're putting into it, right? Mm-hmm. So looking at what happens when professional service providers don't charge enough is a lot can happen. If you're not charging enough, you might not be taken seriously. If you're not mm-hmm. charging enough, you might, you might not have a competitive edge in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not charging enough, the value of what you're providing might be diluted in the marketplace. So people might start to assume, uh, let me give you an example. Um, A lot of times I provide executive coaching to law firms and lawyers. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't go in charging an hourly rate that is significantly beneath the hourly rate that they charge because they have a value based on the hour that they charge for their services. And so if I'm not meeting that at least in a comparable range, then there's an assumption on their part that I am less than or somehow not up to par with their professional level. That's such a good point, Susie, because there is that perception of value. And it's you know like that old line, if you get a diamond ring for 10 cents, chances are you have a diamond ring not worth a dime. Right. Uh, you know, I think, I think you're right. I think people have to um, invest in the value um, and a, a price point is, is kind of where that p- perception begins. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And we can also get into trouble when we start to think about how, um, how to price ourselves based on our own fears or our own money conversation. Uh, I, time and time again, I, I do a lot of mentoring of other executive coaches who are new in the business or, or starting in the business, and I time and time again run into colleagues who, who are concerned about charging a particular rate because they wouldn't pay that rate themselves or because it sounds like an absurd amount of money to them personally. And whatever money conversations we're bringing from our own childhood, from our own um, fears about money, you know, we're we're all human beings, right? So we we have to be very careful not to set our pricing from our own money conversation because we could be undervaluing our our services. That is such an important point. I know, um, I think it was probably about... 10 years ago when Susie Ormond's book started hitting the shelves. And she talked quite a bit about, you know, your, your money memory um, mm-hmm. and, and what was your first interaction with money and how has that played out in your adult life? Well, there's all these messages that we get, right, when we're growing up. Um, personally, it was about the, do you remember those savings passbooks that the banks mm-hmm. used to have? Yeah. I guess I'm dating myself now. but <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am too because I know exactly where you're at. Well, that little passbook was such a big deal as a kid. You know, I had my it was my bank account. I had my passbook. It had its little plastic sleeve. And every time you put money in the bank, the teller very carefully puts another entry on this, you know, paper grid that you can, you know, this passbook. Mm-hmm. And so, and I cherished that thing, you know, because it meant I had money in the bank. And I was 
the messages that I got as a child was that you always put money in the bank so that you can watch your passbook grow, but you never take money out of the bank. Mm-hmm. And so that became something that impacted my business when I started my business because when you start a business, it takes capital to start a business. There's a necessary amount of debt that happens when you first start a business, and whether you do that, whether you fund that personally or whether you get investors, there's still there's a, a, a relationship to debt that is a normal part of starting a business. And for me, there was some trauma about that because I was stuck with my messages from my youth about you always put money in, you never take money out. Right. You know, because of that little passbook that I held on to with my little six-year-old hands, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I, I can remember um, my, my um, experience with that, too, was I um, wanted a certain outfit, and um, all of my back-to-school clothes had already um, been purchased for me. Uh, that summer, I think I was, I don't know, 11 or 12, and I wanted this very expensive outfit. And um, what happened was I was with my, shopping with my grandmother, and she, she said, well, you already have all of your school clothes. We already spent all that money. And I said, yeah, but I really want it. And she said, okay, well, my department store charge is maxed from buying your school clothes, so we'll just use um, her sister-in-law at the time. We'll just use Aunt Louise's globe charge and we'll get you the outfit. Mm. So my message was, even if you don't have the money, it doesn't matter. Ah, It'll come from it, somewhere. You can get it, right. Exactly. And so, <laughs> you know, that was a hard lesson to uh, reprogram. Because well, but you know what? <laughs> it's a really interesting thing to see, because what we're pointing to here is how, you know, these, these um, situations that give us these messages that get ingrained in us from childhood become part of our taxonomy for how we think about business. So uh, so it would be interesting to look at, for you, how that translated into your business decisions uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and even decisions around pricing your services or even decisions around an expectation from, you know, there, it, there's the other side of that is the mindset. There's a really powerful mindset in what you're saying because you can have an expectation of your clients or prospective clients that even if they don't have the money, they can get it from somewhere, so your rate might should never be an issue for them. You know, right. so that could translate into a very positive um, impact to your mm-hmm. business today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, and I do, I do personally feel that that I'm, I'm, I am worth what I charge. And if they're really invested, they'll find the money somewhere. They'll find the money somewhere. And I can tell you, a lot of people don't have that belief. So that's a very empowering belief for you to have, because. You believe that you're worth the money, the people will find it, they'll get it to you, and you, you don't back down from that. I know so many people who, um, even if they come up with a pricing that is a match for the value of what they're providing, they don't feel comfortable asking for it, and they don't believe that their customers have that money or are willing to spend that money. And that belief gets translated in throughout their entire business development process. Even if they don't ever say those words to their prospective clients, mm-hmm. that message gets transmitted. Yeah, and a lot of our members, I have, we do uh, these Wednesday um, coaching calls, and, the, and everybody calls in, and we often talk about this idea that if you've done your homework and if you have attached a fair rate to your services and you feel very good about that, you get in front of a prospect and they say, ooh, you know what, that's a little bit more than I can spend. Can you discount that by 50% since we go to networking together? Uh, how do you handle that one? Well, that's a great question. Um, so part of there are two responses that I have to that. One is you may want to circle back a little bit and do a little bit more around the value proposition part of the conversation. Okay. Because 
if they've really gotten the value of the results that you can produce for them or that your product can produce for them, then they, they're not necessarily going to ask for it half off. The other side of that is bravo to them for asking for what they want, right? Mm-hmm. So i got to give them a lot of credit for asking for the pricing that they want. They're trying to find a, work, a workable solution and they want to do it. So, so if you want to work with them and if you don't feel completely devalued by that request, uh, then and you want to honor that request in some way, then you can always come back and say, well, for that amount of money, here's how I can alter the scope of what I can provide to you. Great answer. So, yes, I can still work with you, and yes, I can meet that price, and no, you're not going to get the Rolls-Royce version of the services or the product. You're going to get the, you know, the Toyota version. Right, right. No, I think that's that's great language for our members to keep in their back pockets. I know I will do that too because I find that um, I encounter a lot of entrepreneurs who can't necessarily afford uh, my fees, which is why I formed the Home Office Success Circle to kind of have an, an affordable way to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I find myself um, wanting, in, you know, within myself to say, um, oh, okay, I'll, I'll just discount it ever so much. And I find myself putting that work at the bottom of the pile mm-hmm. when it comes to my consulting clients because it's, it's not that I'm making more money per se with the others. It's that the others are, are really honoring my value. Yeah. And so I want to do my best work and my freshest work for the people who have committed to me and invested in me. Um, and and not asked me to compromise anything, any level, any part of what I offer. Um, so I think you make a really good point to say, you know, yes, we can work together, but it's not going to be at the full level. You know, and you raise a good point because you don't have to say that, right? No one right. has to. No one has to agree to a compromise, particularly if it's your own business. That's the joy of having your own business. So part of this too is being willing to walk away. And not having the guilt or whatever else we associate with saying no to somebody, mm-hmm. um, but to be able to say, "Yep, yeah, you know what? I'm sorry. It's not. I, I'm too. I, I that doesn't value what I provide, or I'm too busy to to take this on, or you know that that would compromise the effectiveness of what I can do." So you know, there there are a lot of ways that you can say no, right? And and should say no, and have the right to say no if it is something that you would. Um, back burner and not necessarily get to and not provide the service because there's a risk to that too in terms of your brand in the marketplace. If yes. you do take on work that you feel compromised about and you don't feel good about producing it at the rate that that you agreed to, mm-hmm. then uh, then and then you don't end up doing your best work. And when you're not doing your best work or you're not meeting deadlines, then there's something that happens to your brand in the marketplace. It's a it's a dilution of your brand. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we always want to we always want to give ourselves permission to walk away if it's if they're asking for too deep a discount or some other kinds of compromises to our boundaries. Yes, and and getting clear about those boundaries before you walk into the meeting, mm-hmm. y- you know, I think is an important point too. It's um, I find myself when I go into a meeting, you know, certainly I research the company and I look into what they've done before, work, you know, meeting with me, and I. I I do all those things, and I walk in knowing what I'm going to say. I think it's also important to spend a little time um, being clear about what we what we hope to get out of this meeting, mm-hmm. um, and with this prospect, and what we're not willing to give up. Absolutely. You know, and be real clear on that before you walk in, because otherwise, you know, they say, "Well, you knock off 50%, and you do the uh, well." Um, I don't know, kind of thing. So it's really important to have that language in your back pocket. Well, even if they catch you off guard, all is not lost because you can always say, 
you know what, I'll have to work the numbers on that and get back to you. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, we talk about with scheduling the idea of um, saying, if somebody says, can I do that, saying, you know what, I don't have my schedule in front of me, let me get back to you, mm-hmm. instead of immediately committing to something right. that you're not sure you want to do. So kind of the same idea. Right, um, and it's, it's, you're, it's always within your realm to be able to say, I'd like to be able to work with you on this. Now that I understand your budget constraints, let me go work the numbers, let me go take a look at what else I have on my plate and see if there's a way that we can do this for you, because that gives you the flexibility to go back and think about, first of all, do I even want to do it at this ridiculous rate they're proposing? Mm-hmm. Second of all, if I do want the work but I don't want to do it myself, maybe there's an opportunity to expand my business by outsourcing to another provider at a lower rate. And now you're leveraged. Excellent. So yes. opportunities, you know, you don't want to ever be in a position to say no or yes off the cuff without having the time to think about it if they're proposing something that catches you off guard. Yes. That, no, that's very helpful. That's a good tip. Now, you know what was um, actually I was starting to think about when you were talking about this idea? We're talking a lot about um, claiming our value um, and how that can be kind of tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we hear a lot about in marketing that it helps our marketing to give away free samples or to, mm-hmm. to um, give away pro bono services. Um, how do you do that dance? How do you walk the fence of powerful marketing but not giving away the farm? Okay, so at the risk of really offending your listeners, uh-huh. I have a very strong opinion about this, so I'm going to say that up front. Go for it. <laughs> we like strong opinions. <laughs> I think it's an. I, I think you absolutely never give away free services for a marketing purpose. Okay. Um, products, sure, you can give away products as long as it's a sample of the product, but not the whole ball of wax. But mm-hmm. services, I feel very strongly that if you're giving it away your services for free, then what happens is they get valued at zero. And when it's okay. valued at zero, it's a really tough battle. It's a really long uphill drive to get from zero to having them pay for the same thing that they're getting for zero mm-hmm. because it's already been valued at zero. And so pro bono services absolutely have their place, but when you provide pro bono services, it should be for a cause or a charity that you want to support where okay. it's a charitable donation that you're making and you're just making this donation of your time as opposed to your money. Mm-hmm. So absolutely pro bono services if you're supporting a cause or it's a charitable, uh, it's a, some other kind of charitable giving for you, but not as a marketing ploy. Okay. Because as a marketing ploy, it's really, really hard to go from free to asking them for money for what they got for free. There was a whole big thing about um, parking spaces in San Francisco around this, this very issue that illustrated this beautifully, where there was a very popular area of San Francisco where parking was free, for many, many years, and then all of a sudden, the city legislators or whoever makes these decisions in the city decided that they needed to start charging because it was such a popular place. And they didn't just put in meters across the board that were the same rate. They put in meters that had different rates based on the popularity of the spaces. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So some okay. of these parking spaces that were originally free were, you know, became 20, 25 cents an hour, but some of them became $10 an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so you, and so what happened was the whole community around this particular San Francisco development went up in arms because they had been getting it for free, and why would they start paying for it now? And it was, as particularly at these varied rates. So, um, you know, that illustrates the point of when people are getting it for free, they don't want to have to start paying for it. Right. That's an excellent point. I think a lot of service providers 
um, offer, you know, free consults and free this and that to hopefully get people in the door, get them to fall in love with them, and then, of course, they'll pay for it. But you're right. If they get everything they need at their free consult, then they're not likely to pay your hourly fee. Right. And so if you want to give them a taste of your consults, your consulting services or a taste of your coaching services or any kind of a, um, a preview of your services, you can do an introductory offer. As mm. opposed to a free session, you can do a half-price introductory session. Okay. Or, uh, you know, or a reduced-price you know, introductory rate. Mm-hmm. So that gives you the flexibility to give someone a way to try it without signing up for six months or a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you're still getting paid for your time, and the service is still being valued. So they're, they're getting a discount, a deep discount, to try it out, but they still have some skin in the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that. What um what can go wrong if we don't um if we don't charge enough? Other than, you know, I think what I was sharing my story about the I'm not really excited about the work, it kinda goes to the bottom of the pile. Um what what can happen to your business when you really don't take this issue seriously and you don't claim your rightful rate in your business? Well, you end up spinning your wheels a lot. You you know, you can get very caught up in providing service and and uh, and still end up with cash flow issues. You know, you could be working lots and lots of hours, get your whole work-life balance out of whack, mm-hmm. be burning the candle at both ends to meet the needs of your clients, and then if you're not being compensated um, for that, mm-hmm. then you could end up with cash flow issues and and just and and a lot of resentment. You know, you could end up re- with resenting your own business, resenting your clients. Yeah, and not wanting to to invest the time. Uh, the the thing too about the home office professional is that um, by and large a lot of our members have chosen to have a home office to um, achieve kind of a work life balance. Mm-hmm. Some of our members were working 80 hours a week in corporate and kind of burned out. Other members have uh, small children. Um, other members are caring for aging parents. So um, they want the home office flexibility and the and the flexibility inherent to owning your own business. Um, because, you know, there are other commitments in their lives, be it balance, children, aging parents, what have you. Um, and so I think when you're not charging enough for that time, you begin to um, want to spend more of that time with with your children or working on the life balance piece a little more often because you're not getting joy or value, feeling valued by your own business. Yeah, and the flip side of that is that when you are charging what you're worth, you can work fewer hours and have more time to fully engage in the joy of the things that you want to do in terms of work-life balance without the guilt right. associated. And so, um, so you know, anyone who's trying to deal with the home office and balancing with work-life, they need to read your book. <laughs> <laughs> your book does a great job of how to balance all of that and, and the mindsets around that. So. Thank you. <laughs> We're giving them our listeners plenty to read. We're both bulking up their reading list today. <laughs> yeah. um, but now, okay, so if we, we decide, so our listeners are maybe sitting here thinking, okay, I get that not charging enough is not feeding me or my business. Um, how do I determine uh, fair pricing? How do, I, how do I decide what a fair rate actually is so okay. that I can, without batting an eye, claim it? Yeah, this is a, le- this is a loaded question. So it's going to differ based on what people's different market 
um, value is, what their different sure. industry is, what their service is, what their product is, et cetera. So you have to take that into account. You have to look at your competitors and what the market will bear for what you are providing in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. one piece of it. So I can't answer that piece because I, I can't address that for everybody specifically. Um, the other side of it, though, is that what we all have that we need to take into consideration is our own education, whether it's formal or informal, our own history and experience in our varied professional roles, the amount of time that we've spent developing ourselves or our product or our service, plus a little bit about the value that it creates in the marketplace. So go from testimonials and endorsements that people have said about what they've gotten out of your service or value or or product. Mm -hmm. Um, Go with what difference it's making in the world or in the community or for the people who are your purchasers, and factor that in as well. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of layers of things that we need to factor in. Plus, in some cases, frankly, there's also an annoyance factor that needs to get factored in. Right. <laughs> you know, if it's something, if you're great at, so you've got to look at all your competing commitments. If your greatest commitment is, you know what, I need to have time with my children. My children are really little, and this engagement is going to involve traveling across the country and being away from my kids for five days. There's an extra fee that's got to go in there for just yeah. for that annoyance factor. Right. I love that, the annoyance factor. I'm going to have to revisit my rates and make sure that's in there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, seriously. Well, then you also have to do all of the, you know, all of the regular um, due diligence of assessing what it costs you to do your Mm -hmm. business, too. So it has to definitely be more than what it costs you. What I'm talking about is the profit margin piece. Yeah. You know, you have to look at um, how much time does it take you at your, uh, you know, what – Look at your administrative costs. Look at your marketing and business development costs. Look at your um, overhead, all your overhead, including, you know, if you're in a home office, you still have to count your overhead of the amount of money you're spending on utilities and, um, you know, the fact that you keep your heat and air conditioning running at uh, to keep it comfortable for you to be in your house year-round, whereas other people who go to work can change their thermostats to save money. You know, they, mm-hmm. can, make it, they can make their thermostats pick up for when the times when people are in the house. But if you're in the house all day, you know, you're paying for that. There's overhead. Right. So all that has to be taken into account. That's such a good point because I think um, one one of the problems, I mean, home officing certainly has so many wonderful advantages, but there are some things that, that uh, home office professionals do forget to include. Um, you know, their mileage when they're going to get office supplies, even if they're not necessarily meeting with a client, um, like you're talking about the thermostat because you're in that office all day. Child um, care. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Any, of, any of the real expenses that go into you running your business, that all has to get factored in as to, to know, it's important to know what it costs you mm-hmm. to produce a unit of your work. Mm-hmm. So whether you measure your unit in hours or days or widgets, you know, mm-hmm. it, you need to know what it costs you to produce one unit of your work. And you definitely shouldn't be charging less than that. <laughs> right. But if you're right. charging what it costs you, then you're not making a profit. So you want to look at, you know, a healthy profit margin is 30%. That's, uh, you know, but a great profit margin is above 50%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's just such important information as our, uh, as our listeners start out the new year in business. Um and many of them have some pretty lofty goals in terms of turning their income um, situation around. So that's really excellent advice because I would venture to guess that a lot of people aren't really clear on what that unit is or what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that guidance because that's that's really going to help um, get us off to a more powerful start in 2008. Um, 
What um, What are some of the things that can get in the way of uh, claiming our rightful fees? I know you mentioned guilt. Um, that's probably a pretty big one, huh? That's a big one. The money conversation is a big one. Mm-hmm. So really, I mean, this this doesn't sound like something that you probably thought you were signing up for when you signed up to have your own business, but you got to do a lot of soul searching around your own beliefs and mindsets around money. Mm-hmm. Um, that's and that's big work because that gets embedded in family and religion and uh, you know it, there's a there's a lot there's a lot of other values that are embedded in the way we think about money um, yeah. and all of that has to be sorted out so and that's a very personal journey so that's yeah. something that can get in the way of claiming our rightful fees um, the other is um, self worth you know mm-hmm. feelings of self worth and so there may be some personal journeys around. Um, around really owning your strengths and knowing who you are and owning your power and and recognizing the value of what that provides to other people. And mm-hmm. on the flip side of that, you know, if you're if you're leaning towards the narcissistic edge of things, you might need to temper that a little bit. You know, a little dose, dose of reality could be what's in the way of claiming your rightful fees. So mm-hmm. um, it can go both ways. So a really good exa- a really good indicator of whether or not your fees are on target is if you have as much business as you want, and you're living the lifestyle you want. You know, you're earning enough money to live the lifestyle you want. Mm-hmm. If you're charging too much or charging too little, you may not have enough work coming in. True. Well, and I know, you know, one one member I was talking to a few weeks ago, and she said she was in kind of this situation with a prospect, and and she said, I, you know, I I held fast to my rate, and I didn't, you know, buckle. Um, she said, but I walked away feeling like a good woman would have given in, but a good business a good businesswoman would not have. Mm-hmm. And she said, so I walked away feeling like a good businesswoman, but not necessarily a good person. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So I think um, I think what you're talking about is that the personal journey that is tied up in history and family and religion and all of that, and really getting clear about your own worth. And societal um, expectations, too, because what you're pointing to in that example is societal expectations of how, you know, how a woman is supposed to be nice. <laughs> right, you know, right. Take care of other people. Be nurturing, right? right. Don't be nurturing with your rate. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> nurture yourself. <laughs> nurture your business, right? That's your yes. priority. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, I know um, we have to let you go here in a minute, so I wanted to... Uh, before we go, I know you have. I want to leave our listeners with a really wonderful example, a really wonderful story you shared with me once um, about how to be clear on the value you bring into the world. So, uh, would you share that with our listeners? You mean the King story? Yes. Okay. Yeah. The um, I love this story because it really paints a picture that there was. This is one of those fairy tale. Um, you know, once upon a time, long, long ago, in a kingdom far, far away, <laughs> there was a king. And he was an enormously powerful king, and he had a tremendous amount of, of land, and his kingdom was very vast. And there was a period where once, I think it was one morning a week, he would entertain requests from members of his kingdom. And so he'd be sitting at his throne in the big entrance, in the big um, hallway, the big court, where all the members of his court and all his advisors would be surrounding him. And one at a time, there would be a line out the door, and one at a time, the, his... Um, the people in his kingdom would come and ask for various things from the king, and typically he rejected everything that they asked for um, and uh, it, until this one morning. 
And this one morning, this very particularly wiry, ragged, very poor peasant came before the king in the court. And he stood before the king with his hat in his hand and very meekly in his disheveled appearance looked up at the king and said, and, and said, I would like your honor, or your highness, I'm sorry, I keep saying your honor, I would <laughs> like your highness to have a parcel of land that is the equivalent of a third of your kingdom. And when he said this, you could hear this audible gasp amongst the, the people in the court, the advisors of the court. And then this murmuring of, how dare he ask for something like that? That's crazy. This is insane. Oh, my God, I can't believe. And then silence as everyone looks to the king to see what the king is going to do. And the king picks up his head and grins from ear to ear and says, your request is honored. At which point, there's, there's a, like a shout in the courtroom. And, the, and all of the, the members of the court, all of the um, advisors are saying, your honor, that's crazy. How can you give this guy a third of your kingdom? That's insane. What are you thinking? What, how, would you, how could you come to such a conclusion? And the king very simply said, the magnitude of his request honors me. So the lesson there is to think about when we're not asking for enough from our clients, when we're not asking for a rate that's, that's um, a high enough rate, are we honoring them? Mm, and would we be honoring them better by asking for more than we mm-hmm. feel comfortable asking for? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I love that story. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. Um, and Susie, tell everybody how they can learn more about you and get in touch with you and get your book and... Oh, the book is sold on Amazon, and it's also at um, barnesandnoble.com, as well as in Barnes & Noble stores all across the country. Um, You can find out more by going to the website www.sealthedealbook.com, and there's links there that you can – there's a search inside link there. You can click on that. And if uh, you want to know just more about me, my company is Innovative Leadership International, and we're at www.innovativeleader.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for all this great information. I think you're really going to fortify a lot of our members to think carefully about um, their rates and what that looks like and how to go out in the world and claim it and honor both um, themselves and their clients. So thank you for your time. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me to do this. It was really fun. Absolutely. And have happy, happy holidays. You too. All right. Take Take care. care. Thank you. Bye-bye.